Friends, before we begin, let me invite you to keep up with all the Tracks for the Journey resources by subscribing to the Tracks Express newsletter. Once a week, I send a wide range of helps for well-being directly to your inbox. The Express has inspiration and insights for spirituality, relationships, ecology, emotional health, and yes, recipes for good food. The easiest way to subscribe is on my website, www.tracksforthejourney.com. Thanks for listening today. I can still feel the fear I had as a 12-year-old sliding down a rocky slope toward the deep water of Table Rock Lake in southwest Missouri. I had hiked from the boat dock where my parents were fishing to follow a narrow path through the trees. I came to an opening above the lake where the white dolomite rocks formed a steep angle, almost 45 degrees, to the water. I didn't see the fine gravel on top of that rock as I stepped onto the slope and was beginning a slow, relentless slide to the water. That's when the fear gripped my throat. What are you feeling right now? On this episode of Tracks for the Journey, let's explore emotions. I'm Larry Payne, your host for this series of broadcasts about our better well-being. We're exploring answers to that through progressive Christian spirituality, psychology, science, and culture. Today, I'd like for you to stay with me for a few minutes as we talk about our emotions. Honestly, you have some right now, and you will every moment of this day. But what do they mean for body, mind, and soul, and our well-being? How do we regulate them so that we can find the greatest possible satisfaction in our life right now? Stay with me as we explore our feelings on Tracks for the Journey. Let's think for a few moments about what was happening in my 12-year-old body as I slid down that slope toward the lake so many years ago. Electrical and chemical signals come and go across our nervous system every millisecond of every day. Based on the book, Permission to Feel, by Yale professor Mark Brackett, we can understand these emotional processes to be broken down into four phases. Phase one is the stimulus and emotion. Now, this starts with an external stimulus. It could be a thought, but most of the time it's an event in our life. We instantly appraise the meaning of what we perceive. This initial interpretation produces a release of hormones in the brain that brings about physical change. Much of this bodily response is automatic and beyond our conscious control. These emotions are a physical response. On that afternoon at the lake, the stimulus was sliding toward the water, and the appraisal was danger. I didn't even have to process that consciously. 
A flood of adrenaline made my heart race, blood rushed to my muscles, eyes focused on the danger, and my throat was ready to call out for help. Phase two we can call the feeling. It is a mental response as we further interpret the physical emotion and combine it with the memory of our previous experiences, the environment, our physical well-being, the cultural expectations of our society, or even our personal hopes for the future. Feelings, phase two, are mental constructs. I had the feeling of fear about being hurt or drowning based on my previous experiences as a rowdy and active kid. I also based it on my sense of wanting to live, and even of not wanting to get wet on a cool fall afternoon. The feeling was so imprinted in my brain that I can still access that feeling today as I remember that experience. Phase three of our emotional states is the choice of behavior. With the body and mental processes engaged, we choose the action that we will take that will produce the greatest benefit. Behaviors are actions in a social context. When I was perched on that treacherous slope, I chose to dig in my heels, flatten my back against the rocks, and hold on. I don't know how long I waited, but I do remember someone coming up in a boat in the water below me and calling out, Are you okay? I chose to deal with the situation by slowly scooting my way upward until I reached the line of trees. I'm not sure whether I even answered the people in the boat. I was so focused on the behavior that I had chosen. The last phase is phase four, and we call that a mood. Moods are less intense, but last longer than phases one through three. Moods are a combination of thoughts, feeling, and behavior. They are a lingering state which continues to influence us. Moods are pervasive and sustained over time. When I was walking back to my parents, I felt relief to have escaped that treacherous slope. It was a happy glow of elation at surviving. My mood was also helped by deciding to keep this a little secret from my parents, if you know what I mean. So there are four phases to our emotional state. The first one is the stimulus and emotion that surges across our body before we can even control it. The second is the feeling. That comes as we start interpreting what we have experienced. The third one is our choice of behavior. That's when we decide, based on our own understanding of well-being, what we will do. The final phase is the mood, and that stays with us even after the episode is gone. So what are you feeling right now? It's more complex than you thought, isn't it? Let's change gears now as we continue to think about emotions, but think about them in a larger perspective. D. 
Do you believe God has emotions? The Bible seems to attribute emotions to God in many passages. In the Hebrew Testament, God meets Moses on Mount Sinai. Moses hears a voice thundering, The Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Later, the prophet Zephaniah would preach, God will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. As we move to the New Testament, we find a scene of grief, where Jesus stands before the grave of his friend Lazarus, feeling deep anguish and anger and tears at the travesty of this death. Now, some theologies teach that God is really without emotion, perfect and unperturbed. The theological term is impassable because God is beyond our changing world. A more modern view, known as open and relational theism, has a different perspective. These emotions in Scripture are a true description of God who is affected by the universe, not removed from it. These emotional qualities are more than just literary personification in the pages of Scripture. I believe we should think of the divine as pervading every entity of the universe and engaged with each in a dynamic relationship that does include emotion, even as it includes regularity, creativity, randomness, and divine purpose. In the words of Dr. Richard Wright, this perspective of God as emotional can, quote, recapture the biblical portrait of a God who is intimately acquainted with, acutely sensitive to, profoundly affected by, and dynamically interactive with the creatures who bear the divine image, end quote. I think if we look at this further, we can be comforted by the fact that God is okay with us as emotional creatures. God created us to feel all of these different emotions. You are acceptable to God whether you are elated, melancholy, enraged, ashamed, sexually aroused, terrified, or just bored. God knows you at every moment. And even more amazing, God extends love to us. The Bible doesn't say, God loved all the people who have it perfectly together. No, the divine love is unconditional. That is a fact that can give us license to be happy and join the ancient Hebrews in saying their word of praise, Hallelujah! As we take a break today, I'd like to inform you about a book that I wrote, which is available for you to buy and enjoy. This is a book of suspense and adventure. I wrote it several years ago, as I went through some periods of time in reflecting on my years as a pastor. The title of the book is Mount Carmel Memoirs, The Cycle. It's a story about a pastor in a small Ozark town. His church teeters on the brink of a holy war. 
stirred by power-hungry members who are plotting to regain control of their congregation. And caught in their schemes, Pastor Barry Peters struggles to follow his own sense of God's call. His wife, Carrie, is also dealing with grief and the temptations to fulfill her most cherished dreams. The whole book revolves around will their faith, will their marriage, will their ministry survive this storm? I think you'll find it a very intriguing book. And I would invite you to go to Amazon.com, look up the title, Mount Carmel Memoirs, The Cycle, and place an order today. You can order it in paperback or as a Kindle ebook. Let's talk for a moment about a fictional character who is going through her own set of emotions. Cindy grew up in a home where she wasn't permitted to feel anything. She had all of the five senses, of course, and oh, yes, how she could see and hear and feel the messages from her parents, which sounded like this, You're not hurt, so quit crying. If you're afraid while we're at the party tonight, just sing a song. Hey, don't be sad. We'll just buy another dog. In the years that followed, Cindy learned how to pretend that she was happy so she wouldn't let other people know what she was feeling deep inside. She noticed that made other people feel happy, too. If some feeling got too strong, she could feel better by maybe playing a video game as a teenager. Or, after she graduated and went to college, maybe going to a party would make her feel better. All of those things worked okay until the day her brother was killed in a horrific car wreck and the fire that turned his pickup into a blackened hulk. After that, the happiness didn't come back, and the feelings never returned. I think it's important to understand the phases of our emotions and even the theology that Christianity presents. But the crux of it all is handling our emotions, isn't it? How can we do this better? to create a better life for ourselves and for those around us. The vital truth I want to explore as we finish today is learning how to regulate our emotions. To regulate emotions means to understand what we're feeling, then influencing how to better experience and express those feelings. Dr. Brackett, that I mentioned earlier, discusses this extensively in his book, Permission to Feel. In adapting his thoughts and the thoughts of other psychologists, I want to think of this process as a simple ABC acrostic. Aware, best, connect. An ABC formula that you can use to better regulate what you're feeling. Let's explore that a little bit. A means aware, and that begins the process. We realize that our emotions are responding to a stimulus. As we talked about before, it's an event or a major thought that we're having, and we might feel our breathing change or a heavy tiredness settle in on our muscles. In this moment, 
as we feel and as we begin to interpret, it's time to pause mentally and hesitate to gain control. This awareness phase allows our reasoning powers to catch up with the fast pace of our physical response. A deep breath can also help to move away from that first impulse of reaction to the next step of regulation. The second step in regulating our emotions is the B step, meaning best. We want to seek the best of our values, wisdom, and social intelligence. We take time to reappraise the event for deeper meaning, for a context that will enhance the understanding. The reality is that every emotion is located within a social context. In this step, we take that into account, weighing the who, what, when, where, and how of this emotional moment. We decide what's best in the situation. And many choices are available as strategies. We could simply be silent in the encounter. We could shift our attention away from a disturbing thought. We could offer empathy to someone that we're talking with. Or we could decide to communicate in an assertive way, expressing our own needs. We can also simply walk away from a situation. Any of these could be the B step, the best step for us in that situation. The third step and the final one in emotional regulation, in other words, the steps of how to best deal with our emotions, is the C step. This is the connecting step. And here we're talking about action. After we have developed a strategy and choice of what to do, in the final step, we engage in the manner we feel will express our best option. We keep in mind that this implementation is a social act. Another person, a group of people, or even our future self will be involved in what we do. Further, we understand that to connect is to take a risk. We will not be able to control how the other person will respond. And as we assess the result of this action we take, we will find ourselves returning to the first step, once again becoming aware of an emotional experience as the situation around us changes. Therefore, we can evaluate what we've done and we can make further choices. Let's go back and think of Cindy that emotionally distant and dysfunctional young person who grew up in such a troubled home. She learned to push away all of the feelings and just to do her work and do a task. As she worked with a trained therapist, however, she started recovering her full self in a holistic way. One day her supervisor at the factory made a joke about her weight. It stung. She wanted to react the old way and just laugh with him and the others to hide the anger and embarrassment that she truly felt. In that moment, though, she practiced being aware of her real emotion. She actually allowed herself to honestly feel the hurt. And then she paused and took the second step to think about the best response in this situation. She put it in the context of her dignity, the work, 
and even of the supervisor and the other employees standing around. After that moment, Cindy took action to connect with the situation. She chose to be assertive in her communication. She said, I don't appreciate what you said about me. My body is my own business. I hope you'll respect that. She was aware of his surprise, and she offered a smile. Thank you, she said, and she returned to her duties. Practicing emotional regulation brought a new sense of self-understanding to Cindy and to all those in her social network. As we conclude our episode today, let me ask once again, what are you feeling right now? We've explored this question to learn it has more depth than we've ever imagined. We can believe we are designed as emotional creatures who can learn how to regulate our responses to the events around us. We can even experience a God who has emotions and loves us. Keep in mind the ABC, aware, best, and connect. Be aware of what you're honestly feeling. Seek the best that you can do in that situation and connect with good actions. We can find enjoyment in our life if we regulate ourselves, and we can also enjoy the God who loves us, offering His complete self for us and for a greater kingdom. Now, what are you really feeling? I'm Larry Payne, your host on Tracks for the Journey. Thanks for joining me today. I invite you to check out the Tracks for the Journey Facebook page. You can also email me with your comments or ideas. The email address is trackspodcast at mail.com. Tracks for the Journey is recorded at the Bright Star Studio. All rights are reserved. Original music by Jan Bjork through Epidemic Music. Scripture is from the NIV. The sessions are hosted by buzzsprout.com. I invite you to keep tracking on the path to well-being. Mm-hmm.